The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to episode 97 of the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm Dan of the Mano recording this portion of the podcast from the Waterfront Restaurant in Orlando, Florida. And now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Footin.com. Footin.com is an online community of amateur and pro barefooters and a sponsor of Feed on Fire. Feet on Fire is proof everyone likes to barefoot, even some of the best wakeboarders in the world. Footin.com connects footers and future footers nationwide and worldwide. Join the online Footin.com community today to connect with other rippers near you. Plus, get the latest info on events and win exclusive prizes all the time. Check them out again online at Footin.com. No G, just F-O-O-T-I-N dot com. Huge episode today with such a special guest, legendary barefoot water skier, a many-time world barefoot champion, X Games, gold medalist, and water ski hall of famer, Ron Scarpa, the raging bull himself, joins me on the podcast. Well, I joined him at his office. Ron invited me to the East End Market in Winter Park just outside of Orlando, a building that he built. He now operates his own construction business, Barefoot Brothers Construction, that is. Ron is retired from Barefoot Competition, but he talked to me about the early days of Barefoot, his early days of Barefoot at least, a bunch of great stories, and we bring up names like Parks Bonifay, J.D. Webb, uh, one of the greatest toad water sports athletes, most recognized water sports athletes of all time, Banana George Blair, among so much more. Folks, this was a bucket list interview for me. Growing up, although I wasn't into traditional barefooting, Ron was always on the forefront of toad water sports. He demoed his skills at show ski tournaments that I was at when I was growing up. He was at pro tour events, and that was in between traveling to barefoot contests and dominating those events as well. Ron was also in multiple television commercials through the 80s and 90s. And again, Ron really was a star bigger than the sport. 
He brought more eyes and attention to the industry through barefooting and his legendary battles with the likes of guys like Mike Seipel and later on with Keith St. Ange. And they would go down as history in our sport. This is a good interview. I've listened to it a half a dozen times myself. I know I've already talked to JD and Parks Bonifay. They're super stoked for this one. And I know you are all going to dig it as well. At the top, I said I was recording at the waterfront in Orlando. This restaurant is located on Lake Jenny Jewel, pretty much downtown Orlando, and it is the home of this year's Feet on Fire Barefoot Endurance Contest, our second year in a row over there at the waterfront. I am recording this one day prior to the event and releasing it on the day just as a special treat we're doing three episodes this month i do plan to try and record an event cast from feet on fire so you can all hear from some of the riders some of the barefooters and get a feel for the contest and some of the history behind it as well it's a big week though a busy week it's all good i just arrived home from mexico yesterday i was down in acapulco for stop number two of the mexican wakeboard series I arrived there Friday night in Mexico City. My hosts, Hema Birch and Emilio Martinez, they know my love for pro wrestling. And I've been talking about wanting to get out to the Lucha Libres for a long time. So they facilitated, they took me out there. For anybody who's not familiar with Spanish, Lucha Libre is Mexican wrestling. It was my first Mexican wrestling experience live, and it was awesome. The show got out at about 11 p.m. at night, and we left. We stopped at the airport. We picked up Mexican superstar pro women's rider Larissa Morales, who took third place at last year's pro women's U.S. National Championships. She finished right behind Nicola Butler and Megan Ethel. She's awesome girl. She's been studying really hard, been going to school. Uh, it was awesome to see Larissa So we all drove about halfway to Acapulco that night. We stopped at a spot that uh, the locals called Teques. It's a really great lake for wakeboarding, at least during the week. We slept about three hours, and uh, we finished our drive to Acapulco in the morning. We left about 5 a.m. We got to the lagoon in Acapulco at 7.30 a.m. I was on the microphone by 8 a.m. The contest started. It was two days of action. We had almost 50 Mexican riders. It's always an awesome opportunity and a great feeling to be down there in Mexico. The scene is awesome. The families are so nice and sweet and the organizers, they do a great job. Unfortunately, I couldn't hang out too long. I had to fly back to Orlando to get back for Feet on Fire. Today, we've got this qualifier for Feet on Fire and then as you guys are going to be listening to this episode, hopefully real-time Feet on Fire is going on. So real quickly, let me knock out some of the business stuff here. The sponsors, SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, WSIA, Roswell Marine, Woodrow's Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, Wakeboarding.com, Footin.com, GoPuck, Hyperlight, Conley, Ledwake, Ronix, O'Brien, and Slingshot. Without them, I could not continue to produce free episodes on the reg for your listening pleasures. You, the listeners, although I'm sure that most of you are already subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, but if not, do so now. And if you already are, 
Uh, rate and review the show if you've already done that. Well, then spread the word. Let your friends know that I'm doing these episodes. Have them follow the show. Have them write reviews. And if they don't have iTunes, well, you can find the podcast on just about any Android podcast listening app. You can also find every episode on SoundCloud and my website, noiseofthenorth.com. Follow me on social media at Dano T. Mano on Instagram, on Twitter at the golden underscore Mike, and at the Dano T. Mano. Like and share the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. And one last way to support is to email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com, and purchase an official Golden Mike podcast dad hat or t-shirt. All right, I do have a few reviews from iTunes. Remember, if you rate and review the podcast, I will read yours, and it'll make me and you feel good. So here goes. I got a few uh, reviews over the last week or so, so here we go. The first review comes to me from Wake Dave 24 and it reads, Fantastic for water sports enthusiasts. This is a fantastic podcast for anyone who enjoys life on the water. Dano has a smooth flow and takes you through the past and present and future of Toad Water Sports. Easily my favorite podcast out there. The next review comes from Wake Girl AZ, the voice of Total Water Sports. We've listened to every episode of the Golden Mike podcast and have enjoyed them all. Dano has a great way of engaging the guests, and the episodes just flow. You can learn some pretty awesome things about your favorite riders, and sometimes they may surprise you no matter how well you know them. It's also great to get introduced to other riders you may not be as familiar with. If you're at all interested in Toad Water Sports, this is the podcast for you. Dano even brings in people with wrestling and car racing backgrounds. This podcast is our favorite podcast, Dano Rocks. Thank you, Wake Girl AZ. I definitely appreciate it. Folks, I'd love to hear your reviews. Get them up there on iTunes. If you have any questions, shoot me a message and I'll help you get them up there. All right, folks. Well, it's that time. The man, the myth, the legend, the greatest of all time. Right here on the Golden Mike podcast, the raging bull, Ron Scarpa, baby. Let's get at it. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting here. I'm in the office of Ron Scarpa, and I would say it like this, Ron. So if there was like a a Mount Rushmore of Toad Water Sports, I would say that your face would probably be up on that. Very nice. That's very nice. Well, I mean, you're a legend, and and when when I think of a guy like you, I put you up there in the ranks of guys, you know, like like Sammy Duvall, um, you know, who who did so much and and transcended past the sport, and, um, you know, other guys like even though he's younger but like a guy like Parks Bonifay you know who has helped bring so much to yeah, the sport yeah I and, get it and so you come from the the barefoot side that's like in Toad Water Sports you are um, one of the most famous barefooters of all time was your nick what, what was your nickname there the bull the raging bull the yeah. raging bull so a lot of this is timing you know I mean by virtue of uh, you know whatever by the time i learned to ski where i learned what i what i did a lot of it was timing so i i started water skiing in the 70s i I was a kid in miami we moved i honestly watched the 1976 olympics we used to like 
you know, cherish the Olympics. And um, I wanted to be either a pro, um, I, I, I literally was going to be a pro water skier or snow skier. I don't know why I really didn't, I hadn't snow skied nor really water skied. He grew up in Miami. Yeah, because nobody skis in Miami, really. I mean, there's very little skiing. Like water skiing. No, very little skiing, either, quite sure. honestly. Um, I literally learned to ski in, I think it's called Jamaica Bay in New York, okay? So my, I was visiting a relative. I was probably eight years old. They threw me out on literally like an outboard kind of a junky wooden boat my uncle had, and I popped up on a pair of like wooden skis. Never skied again. I loved it, but never skied again. You know, the opportunity really didn't present itself. And um, for however long, for uh, another five, six years. And then we moved from Miami to Central Florida. And, you know, that was the deal. We were getting out of Miami. We were, were you gonna up in Orlando or? Moved to Winter Haven. Yeah. So we li- literally lived, my dad had a restaurant less than a mile from Cypress Gardens. So Winter Haven, like water ski Winter capital. Haven, Florida, water ski capital of the world. Bought annual passes to Cypress Gardens, used to go down there and, you know, dreamt about skiing and all that stuff. And eventually I wound up... Uh, you know, getting in at Cypress Gardens, not as a skier. So interestingly enough, one of the like assistant type show directors, his name was Steve File. Okay. Never probably heard of him. Uh, his wife was a beautiful lady that skied there and was, you know, in a lot of old tech one, you know, skis, sure, the old bikini, beautiful, right? Um, here's how, here's how old I am. Okay. So, I was learning to barefoot. I learned to barefoot. Um, I really learned from Jim. Jim Grew was an instructor at McCormick Ski School. And some of the instructors used to go to my dad's restaurant occasionally and get a meal. And we wound up going to going to McCormick's just because we met them through there. And um, the, McCorm- the McCormick's are a pretty famous water ski family, too, at this. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. they're the most famous third. The, it's uh, Jim McCormick is like a uh, famous um, skier, Ricky McCormick, obviously. And then, you know, there's been other McCormick kids that um, were Jim's son. So we we barefooted and they had a boom. Down and there at McCormick's. At McCormick's. It was like this scaffolding off the side of the boat we did a um we did it one afternoon barefooted and that was kind of the end of it and then we're like we never really so we didn't have a boat at the time we finally got a boat and we thought oh we're gonna barefoot that obviously didn't so this work. is early 70s at this point yeah still. this is like 76 gotcha okay 77 but anyway the um McCormick's was cool to do that. I met Jim Grew. I didn't realize that Jim was going to be someone who was involved in water skiing. You know, Lake Grew at the USA. Sure. Well, you even know. today here, the guy, the guy, there's a lake named after him. Yeah. The dude's yeah. been all over the world. Uh, he's been teaching very... and coaching, and and he's 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 donated money and a done lot, a lot of, money of stuff. From what yeah. I understand, yeah, he has. So. Anyway, we finally... And as a water skier, sometimes I wonder where the heck that money comes from, right? (laughs) You know what, irrelevant? Probably a trust fund, but whatever. You know, I didn't have one of those. But I was still... But the real connection for me is this Steve File guy came to the restaurant, 
he um they knew me because I used to go hang around. Like, I was a kid who was constantly at Cypress Gardens. I'd ride my bike up there, and, you know, I was just around. Yeah, you well, I, I, again, we talk about, like, it being a different time, but, like, I'm always, I'm so interested in knowing what it was like back in those days because, you know, Parks Boniface is, like, a good friend of mine, and I hear stories of him running around when he was a little kid, and I don't know, it just seems like probably in the 70s and the 80s, maybe a little bit looser than yeah, yeah, at yeah. Cypress Gardens. Oh, unbelievable. So... Steve Betts, we have an annual pass anyway. I'll give you an example. I mean, I was 12 years old and I bus tables in the restaurant and I cooked in the mornings and did all that. It was a family business. We, we slugged it out in there. But um, Dick Pope Sr. and Julie Pope, you know, the, found, the founder of Cypress Gardens, used to come into the restaurant and eat a couple days a week. And I knew him, a guy by the name of Bill Rutland, uh, ran the water ski factory at Cypress Gardens. He was related to the Popes. Um, he 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 was super friendly to me, and I'm like, he knew I liked water skiing, even though I really wasn't much of a skier at the time. And he's like, uh, and I'd be busting tables, and I'd go sit with people, you know, you know, when we were, it was slow. Bill Rutland come out. He goes, you know what? When you want a tour, the, when you're ready to get a ski, you come sit, see me. And he basically took me to the ski factory. I picked out a little monster slalom ski, whoosh, hands it to you, and you're off to the races. I'm serious. It was just like super cool. So how did the whole, how, like, how did this all like come about as far as like getting into barefooting and how did you kind of start getting serious about it? Because I, and something else I'm really interested in, uh, in those, in like the seventies is like the equipment and how you even like, like learn because uh, I've got friends who are, you know, few years older than me who you know learned in the 70s in the early 80s and they weren't wearing barefoot suits they're wearing jean shorts yeah yeah and you know at feet on fire that's kind of one of the throwbacks that we do <laughs> is that you're not allowed to wear barefoot suits you wear i didn't shorts. know that <laughs> yeah you're not allowed to wear barefoot suits you wear shorts um some people don't know the secret that in the 70s that people wore jean shorts but yeah i found that out a long time ago but again oh, yeah. jean shorts are jean shorts but they're better than a pair of uh oh, yeah. umbros but uh <laughs> they still don't give as much protection as a pair of uh, i think we and, should make people i think I, since i'm you know I, i'm not like a contender but i think people should have to ski in speedos yeah now. right <laughs> <laughs> the old jansen the old jansen bathing suits you know yeah <laughs> um yeah so um, I, I literally, so the deal is I moved, I was, a, you know, I was from kind of a big city, you know, Miami compared to Winter Haven was, you know, it was, Winter Haven was pretty remote, you know, pretty Southern, more Southern than Miami. You sure. know, it's Polk of County, course. pretty, pretty rednecky, you yeah. know, it's still, it's still back there a little bit, yeah, you know, well, it's like, I'm from, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. You know, you bring anybody from, from my town down to Winter Haven or Polk County. Yeah, general, they're nervous. And, yeah. Well, it's just, it's, I remember my first time being there. That was a whole different world. And it's, it's not, you're not in Disney world anymore. No, it's advanced compared to then, you know? So, but, but the one thing that was, uh, there was a hell of a lot of water skiing going on there. And one thing those rednecks knew how to do was water ski. Right. I mean, they were damn good at it. Uh, the whole boat scene, everything. So I get in, I move into this town. You're, uh, I'm in eighth grade. Okay. So what is that? Junior high school. 
you're kind of unaccepted into the neighborhood. You really don't want to really be accepted. You know what I mean? Because you're trying to make friends, but you're like, who are these people? And, you know, that's a, for any kid that's uncomfortable. And a lot of the kids could ski. And I really couldn't ski when I started. And, we, you know, everyone learned how to two ski and maybe slalom ski. Right. But in, in, you know, in, uh, we had a couple kids across the lake from me who I, I, I haven't talked to them in ages, but I knew their mom and dad and, um, they were pretty good barefooters. And obviously I thought the, at, we'd go to Cypress Gardens and you'd see the barefooter in the show. And f- for whatever reason, that was the pinnacle for for skiing if you, you could, want to be the guy to do the circle around hell Cyprus. yeah you want to be the best guy and if the guy the hardest thing is barefooting and that's what it takes to be the best and you're going to learn how to barefoot so there were some kids in the neighborhood who were had were had been barefooting for several years but you know i remember the thing on my lake is they had they could go almost around the lake or do something like that well i learned and I got to where I could go around the lake once, go around the lake twice. How, and go. how did you learn? We, so again, all timing, Glastron V-Hull or Tri-Hull V178, like a 17 and a half of Glastron, 85 horsepower Johnson. The boat would probably do 34, 35 miles an hour. I was 12 or 13. I'm the same height I am now. I have the same size. I got like 11 and a half foot. And I got about, oh, 60 or 70 more pounds, though, on right. me. Um, and my brothers, who were always better at baseball, always better at football, because they were older, two and four years older, you had no, you know, size mattered in other sports, you know? I actually found a sport when we barefooted, the boat was underpowered a little bit for them. But for me, it had more, it actually had just enough and not too much. Cause, cause really when people learn, they drop the hammer, they don't know any better. Right. Well, we dropped the hammer, but dropping the hammer was like right in the sweet spot for sure. me. So I learned a long line. We used to go to the Rexall drugstore and they had these styrofoam like kickboards, like half, you know, like surfboard out of foam. And we would sit on those things and pull the handle, like a 12 inch slalom handle, like notch it into the nose of the board, you know, so like to, to lock it in. And we would sit on it and straddle it like coming off of a kneeboard today or sitting on a wakeboard. And we did that long line and you drop the hammer. And if and some people figure out how to get their feet to slide, you know, or where you could sit on the board and you could just cruise and cruise and wait for speed. And when the speed was good, you stood up. Other people dig and plow and never get it. I was a you know, I was a glider man from the from the very beginning. It's something I honestly I like I I, I was a natural, right? Okay, and I think it was something I like. I literally understood that, you know, where a lot of sports you're still trying to figure it out. But I, I you know, that's something that I gravitated to. It made sense to me at this time. There's already hundreds and hundreds of people before you that have barefooted yeah. that have perfected the sport. But at the same time, nobody's teaching. Really. And, but not only that, but also the the method 
to the madness of barefooting isn't really like no. it's it's still a trial and error type of thing, oh it, right? it actually that yeah you need to go out and beat that living crap out of your friends teaching them to do it if someone was willing to do it you they you would whip them that was part of the fun to do and it's so people just you know didn't most people like you who got wishboned or you know killed trying they're like i'm never doing that again well my older brothers had a couple of those falls and like uh i don't think so i'm not doing that again um and and the reality is we all love skiing but i always barefoot it because we had already predetermined that that was the hardest to do. And if you could barefoot, you were the best. Right. What were the competitions like back then? Because now you look at a competition and it's like, okay, yeah, you've got your your endurance contests. Um, and Feet on Fire, of course, is, is a, a lesser known, more known one. But, you know, like your uh, uh, footstock and, and stuff like that, your figure eights. And you've got your, like, traditional three events, which are jumping, slalom, yeah. and trick. But, I mean, it's... It, that, so the first tournament I skied, I got encouraged by my family to do it. I skied this like a 1977 endurance tournament at Cypress Gardens. I think I think I got second place. But I literally, you know, it wasn't long after I learned. We were like, you know, uh, found like old AWSA manuals and we were building a Marsite barefoot jump with a barrel underneath it. And I mean, we were stupid. I mean, we were, we were lucky, you know, we didn't get hurt, but nobody really taught. And, you know, it was, it wasn't really a big deal. So we, we, we went at it. We learned and, and the stuff that I were doing, I mean, I skied on that glass drawn for quite a long time and, um, it worked. I mean, I learned tumble turns. I'll give you an example. One, this is before your time, about 10 or so years, okay? But O'Brien came out with these, like, super cool, heavy-duty vests, like really puffy-looking, painted-up orange, no, green and red-colored vests. We got them for Christmas, three vests. Well, I shredded all of those. And they're expensive. They're right. probably 100 bucks in the 70s. Wow. Okay? And, um, but I was, you could tumble turn in them. And you could, you know, like not, I was in cutoffs, right? Behind the boat, pylon no, to being towed down from like the ring down under the water sure. level. With stretchy ropes and all that stuff. And, you know, you could get to where you could slide a little on that and kind of yank around. Us oh, is stupid. But, yeah, it got to where I shredded all the vests. We just stopped using vests. We're doing tumble turns in a pair of Levi cutoffs bareback. Well, okay, so I want to jump into um, as far as, like, as far as like tournaments go and um, you be kind of becoming, like, this this the superstar in toad water sports because you obviously started doing well in tournaments and then from the tournaments i assume that's where endorsements come and you've and you've been endorsed by um you know just kind of going back through the days i know that you were sponsored at one point by nautique i know that at one point malibu had designed a plate that pops off the back of the boat yep. 
worked and uh, for barefooting. I know that um, through some research, I know that uh, you're one of the first guys who was technically sponsored by like energy drink, right? Mountain Dew, you had a partnership with. I did. So, you know, I don't, so, um, you know, again, my background was working class, you know, I, I understood the value of money, but when we went to, um, I remember my mom, we had, we got rid of the old Glastron and we bought a Glastron Carlson CVX 16. That's kind of the old pointy nose, mm-hmm. cool ones that were in live and let die. And those, you know, right. And that had a 140 on it with a pylon and we still didn't have a boom on that boba it's still awesome. And so things got advanced and I talked to him, I skied some more tournaments and even my dad realized, you know, I'd go to a tournament and do well. I'm like, dad, we need to get a barefoot Nautique. You know, Nautique made a barefoot boat back in the day. And um, hell, I, you know, I know we have a common friend at at, uh, a Nautique guy, probably more than one, but in, I'm going to say, I think it was 1979. We went up to, uh, we took a ride and went to Correctcraft. Correctcraft said, look, we want to, um, we're, we're, we'd like to do a promo program with your son. And uh, we have a new boat. It's a barefoot boat. It came out last year, blah, blah, blah. And uh, my dad's like, what the hell are you people talking what are you people talking about? I mean, your dad thinks he, you guys are going in to buy a boat at this point. Well, right? we were going in to look, but my dad, my, and I remember my mom saying, no matter what, you guys better not come back with a boat. <laughs> and basically, the they offered us a promo deal back then, and, you know, he stroked a check, and, you know, he was we were able to do that. He was able to do it. What did mom think? Uh, you know, she didn't. Yeah. My dad said, look, we don't have a boat. We bought a boat, but we didn't come back with a right. boat. Smart We're going to get it next week, <laughs> you know. Um, so we did that, and, and that was a – and so you got to obviously know, and I don't think it's very different now. I mean, correct craft, you know, mentored. If you let if, – if the athlete would allow them uh, – to mentor but but larry did he he mentored me the maloon family they're great people and um so i had a guy like larry who uh he was not quite my dad's age but close to it but still you know we had a lot more in common you know with with boating and stuff like that but he also larry was a very um caring and and still is a friend and you know he was like look if you these guys don't get it you know i i saw a lot of the elite athletes that they had that you know listen we're gonna do three jumps if you can't get the photos and three jumps we're not gonna do any more photos we're not doing this there's all these parameters about money was different for water skiers back then too and mentality and and water ski mentality unfortunately was a it was a bit different back then i'd like to say it was a bit different oh totally and i didn't i was like i think i broke the mold like i was willing to break the mold i i could have cared less i mean i knew I knew if I could help that company sell boats that I would be more valuable to them, period. You know, there's more, and, and Larry 
point blank said how you conduct yourself off the water is just as important to correct graph as how you conduct yourself on the water so here we are in 2018 i gotta ask you i hate to like kind of get off track a little bit but like the boats are better the athletes um have better tools um the tricks seem to I don't want to like offend you, but it seems like the tricks are much easier to do now. And I, and I, this isn't from experience, but I mean, it seemed like even 15 years ago, there was, there was a very small amount of people that could turn around front to back, back to front on barefooting. And now I go and look at WBC's page and you can see videos of hundreds of people who. Yeah. Who did I it. mean, I think, I think the, well, it's a lot easier because of one, the, I think the equipment helps immensely, okay? The high, the super fly high type of um, pylon and um, the boom, booms being jacked up. It's obviously made it safer too. I think so, I think so. I'm not offended either way. I think, I mean, I literally think it's um, way easier the way they do it now. And I don't think that's wrong. I just think it's how the sport has um, evolved. Look, I I, I think um, there's like some of the elite barefoot athletes. I think they're amazing. I think they're great. I think that they have little or no competition. I mean, um, when we skied, um, when I bare uh, skied, I call it skiing. It was barefoot. I never really, I did ski, but never really I got towed by something. Sure. It's skiing. I don't care what it I is. I called wakeboarding skiing until like yeah. 2002. So. I still, I still, you know, I st- anything towed I call sure. skiing. Um, it, it, um, there was, there was, well, I'll give you an example. The U.S. team was so good, okay, and so deep that our B team could basically go and beat any other team. I mean, they were... Well, they were good. We had piles of people. Um, I think, I don't, listen, everyone wants it to be better and to change. I don't know how, I didn't get out of skiing because of that when I did it. I was, hell, I was already past my prime when I got out. Um, I loved it and I was still good and competitive. But obviously when you're skiing, I was on the U.S. team in my 40s you know skiing it in the world that's old in the pro division yeah yeah but keith st Ange is just about to i think keith just turned 40 years old too and even though he keeps saying maybe but i don't see signs of him stopping anytime soon i I don't you got to be willing to have an option you know i kind of created an option it's not that it's not that i uh didn't love it i loved it and did it and all that but it's you know that's i had to switch gears for multiple reasons so i did but back so i had you know hey oakley used to oakley sunglasses used to pay me to wear sunglasses that's like absurd now right you know they're totally yeah um you know, you mentioned Mountain Dew, but I, I, I did several different type deals with them. You were, in, um, you were on a commercial. Several Mountain Dew commercials, yeah. Uh, can, can we talk about those? Sure. Because uh, sure. one that uh, I, I stumbled upon, but I wasn't able to find all the footage from, was you barefooting behind a horse. Yeah. Um, the commercial or whatever, the footage that I found on YouTube makes it seem like that was part of your reg- regular no, regiment for no. a while there, that you were uh, that nope. you were into barefoot and behind horses. Tell us a story about the uh, horse. Uh, so when I lived in Winter Haven, a, one, a neighbor friend had a raised thoroughbreds, had an orange grove. We started by skiing behind the horses. And 
um, mainly trick skiing. And we got to where we had a beach road that the horses could run up. They used to swim and run the horses anyway in the sand and in the grove and do all that. So I'm like, let's we're gonna do we're gonna start doing this and start making the horses pull us skiing. So we did it. We got to where we could literally do like a keyhole turn, like at the end of a slalom course, and never stop. So we um, we would literally get the horse. It would run out in ankle deep, run from ankle deep water into like chest deep water, and we would cut out, and the horse would make a quick turn, and we'd come and we'd keep going. I mean, we'd run the out of these horses that's great yeah man. well what happened is um i i knew someone i had done a juicy fruit commercial before doing the mountain dew commercial and i had some contacts in that um, industry and i had done a few other commercials and i helped i parlayed some of the, my water ski talents into some other th- they needed other things and i you know, arranged and, you know, got involved in it. So it was, it was great. I made amazing money. I made more money doing that than I did, uh, than I did on, uh, skiing or ski school. Right. But, but what I realized is if you're a pro water skier, at least a pro barefoot water skier, you needed to sell equipment. You needed to help sell boats. You needed sponsors. You needed to do commercials. You needed to do whatever you needed to do. I think it's just it's it's it, and even today it's more about just being the best. You could be the best at the sport, especially nowadays. I think more than than back then. You know, you can be amazing, but if you're a dud and you can't talk, then yeah, yeah. Uh, you're pretty. Well, I I laughed because I, my sponsors used to pay me to go ski. Like the pro, they were affiliated with the pro tour, okay. Even though I wasn't, uh, Correctcraft was never in the pro tour. It was always Mastercraft or something right. like that. But Eagle Wetsuits or other sponsors were affiliated with the tour, and I had a good working relationship with people in Mastercraft and other companies. I knew where the line had to be drawn. Of course, but well. I so. We all have to. I mean, you look toe. at you look at what I do right now. Yeah. I travel yeah. around, and uh, one week I'm announcing the Malibu events, yeah. and the next week I'm announcing the Nautique yeah. events. So, yeah, of course. It's- I used to go do a tour stop. I, my sponsors would pay my expenses to go there. I would do a three day clinic or whatever before. If I were going to Columbus, Ohio, I would call up people I knew in Columbus. Say, look, Pro's tour stop is June fourteenth, thirteenth, and fourteenth either before or after, if you're interested, I'm gonna be in the area, we're doing a clinic, I'd book it up, book it solid, teach. My friends, the pro water skiers would give me crap because I'd go out there and high five people and ski for 30 seconds and uh, they're like, oh, you're do another tumble turn, you know? Yeah, with it, but the, and no, no pressure on you except for having to maybe ride through some choppy zero, stuff, right? Zero pressure, you And know? you knew you were getting paid. So let me ask I, you. I won first, I, I, I laughed at him, I said, hey, I win first place every weekend. I'm not going to lie. I kind of have a similar joke with being the announcer of these events. So. I know. Well, it's it's not that it's it's not that I don't appreciate or respect it, but they also you have a tendency to focus on just one thing instead of everything or the industry. I think I think that's been a problem with our industry since I was a kid. 
Correctcraft was always working on Correctcraft stuff. Mastercraft was always doing their tour. Nobody ever really like joined forces, and um, now it's probably different because you got these more boat companies. Or they're the bigger conglomerates. Or, yeah, I don't know if it's different though. To be quite honest, I don't with think you. it is. I, I don't think it is. I think I think they still. I mean, I would still rather see a beautiful woman trick skiing or wakeboarding or what i'm sorry i'm a guy it's not that i don't want to see massey or somebody do some you know or uh do some amazing double but it's there's a lot more to um a lot more to our sport than just that aspect i think in barefooting it's exactly the same okay so ron let me ask you um in in all of these events that you've been able to the tournaments um the demos and stuff like that um any like super rewarding moments um that you got like as far as like in front of a crowd not necessarily like winning something but like just getting to ride in front of a group of people because i know you also competed in the x games as well yeah. I mean, the X, it, it's it's pretty hard to top the X Games. I mean, what what was the cool, here's the coolest thing. Maybe, maybe you experience this now with podcasts and live this and that. But literally, um, I competed in the X Games in Providence, Rhode Island, and flew through New York, and people are like, hey, recognized you. Right. Okay. Um, you get, I get to Milan and people who you don't know. There's a lot of people who love water skiing or extreme sports or whatever. You know, hell, I've turned, I, I didn't, I just discovered this. You've probably known it for years. I, this is how old I am that on my Apple TV, I could click and they have like red, a Red Bull, sure. Red Bull TV. I never knew that existed yep. until literally a week ago. Wait, and now, now I, Parks' his video is up there. His documentary is on it. It is on there. And I, but what's, I've seen some of that stuff and I've seen clips of all of it, but I didn't actually know that you could click on that and it existed. Yeah. But so it was kind of real time and it was, you know, it was real time, it was real money, but more importantly, I mean, when I did when I did the first X Games, I had I had done a um, a nine X commercial. Okay, nine X is New York, New England telephone. Okay, and it was the it was when they did prepaid calling cards. And for people who are listening, or you know, what the hell is a calling card? It was how people made phone calls home because they, you had to put twenty bucks worth of change in a payphone to right. do it, right? Um, so this was like the early days. It was MTV, and we did a nine X commercial, and it was barefoot water skiing. Um, and I knew those people who I, the guy who wrote that commercial wrote the storyboards wrote it because he knew I'd done something with Pepsi and he had seen it and we, you know, we had, you know, whatever, they're creative. And, um, but you get a company like that and they're like, look, we want to do a commercial. It's just going to be like, we're going to kick it off during the X games. We want you in a nine X suit, nine X helmet, you know, they're, they're like sparing no expense. It's like, all right, we're going to spend a couple of days. I'm going to make 25 grand. And, you know, it's sure. Let me think about this one. Hell yeah, we're doing that. You Unbelievable. know, but right. But that's, you know, so it was it was cool, you know, and um, 
Anyway, your your skin in the X Games or playing a commercial with you in it in the X Games, it's pretty good. Quick break for my guest to tell you all about Boulder Boats. The word is out, and Boulder Boats was named WSIA Dealer of the Year back in early March at the Water Sports Industry Association's 2018 Leadership Awards. Now Boulder Boats has three locations in the West and Southwest U.S., Mesa, Arizona, Henderson, Nevada, and Visalia, California. They carry a full stock of Malibu and Axis boats. If you're looking for something a little bit more already loved, Boulder Boats has a ton of previously owned boats ready to ship nationwide, worldwide. So find out more and check them out online at boulderboats.com. Now let's get back to my guest, Ron Scarpa, baby. Oh, yeah. Ron, so uh, I know we're starting to cut it close on time here. So real quick, I just have a few names that I want you to maybe um, give me like a story about. Um, <laughs> Parks Bonifay, J.D. Webb. These are two guys. I want to start with, with Parks Bonifay because I'm guessing you've probably known Parks longer than JD. Well, I knew Parks when he was born because I knew his parents and I had I'd barefooted with Pete, I barefooted with Betty when I was very young in the in the late 70s learning. They were they were good barefooters. Did you know that he was going to become such a freak? No. I don't think so. I mean, probably people. So as he grew older, I wasn't around him at all. And the whole honestly, the whole wakeboard scene was like I don't, I, I was going to say offensive, you know, it, it, but I mean, you could say, say whatever you want I, and I, like explain, but it's but not, explain it's not it, right. You know? It's not the right word. Look, I grew up in Miami when all the immigrants started coming into Miami, American people were pissed off. Okay. Now you go to Miami and it's like one big kumbaya, you know, everyone loves it's multinational and it's just a, got a great vibe and it's fun. Wakeboarding came in, and and not that it was a big deal to me, but Parks was an absolute superstar, really. And but it was this, it was it was funny for me because it wasn't really taking away from barefooting, even though some barefooters did go into wakeboarding. Um, wakeboarding kind of drew off, you know, it just took water skiing, you know, it just took the whole wind out of water skiing sail, but it was, is impressive. And I think a lot of people are like, you know, really, what, what is it, you know, but, but obviously, you know what it is now. I mean, Tony Finn knew what was, you know, well, let me ask you. So, so next week we come into feed on fire. Well, actually this episode comes out the day of feed on fire. I kind of do it on purpose here, but uh, JD took a win last year. The format is just laps to mm-hmm. two dudes behind the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing it behind a, a Nautique 200. So we're doing it behind, you know, big engine, small wake, everything like that. JD took a win last year. He's obviously a great footer. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, what, he competed in barefooting. What, I mean, what are you? Good. Are you going to give him any words of wisdom next week when you see him? <laughs> hell no. And if so, what a, would those be? Hell no. Let me just tell you this, not to stir the pot, but I was trying to put together this kind of thing with you and. Uh-huh. 
that. I know we're going to get you to barefoot for us. Okay. It'll be, I'm probably start the day off. <laughs> okay. But you were like, I don't want to compete, but JD really wants to go against you. He does? Oh, yeah. He wants to go against you. Well, is he going to do something like decent or does he just want to ski in a circle? He just wants water? to, okay. So he yeah. just wants to I ski mean, in a circle so right, you can stand needs, up longer. It'd be like me, it'd be like me saying, oh, I want to ski against him in wakeboarding, but do something completely other than actually wakeboarding. Gotcha. So, right. so you, so you, so are you saying that JD might I, take the W JD, on that? Uh, if enduro? we did endurance, yeah. yeah, I would. Is he still wakeboarding? Yeah, you got to ask JD that question. Yeah, I, I would say, even... I would say when he, when he, when um, I probably got a couple years on JD. I'm probably the same age as his dad, um, but doesn't mean I won't smack him upside the head. Still, so when but, you see him at feet on fire, you better watch it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I might, I might bring a uh, some sort of construction tool and smash his foot or something you know? <laughs> yeah. but um but no he's you know these guys are these guys are good athletes you can't you can't be towed behind a boat for your profession and not have skills you just can't do it at that level even if you don't barefoot i mean yeah your feet can get tender and didn't jd recently post something of him skiing so i know he's been practicing yeah he's practicing oh he's getting ready so i'll i'll say this I, what i'll do is i'm not gonna i won't compete against jd this year but if i know he that's like a life goal to compete against me and try to take me out in endurance i'll, I'll say this on your podcast right now that the 2018 feet on fire, I will not, but I will come ready in 2019. Okay, for JD. And it's on. How about that? Really? I will. I will. I will. Uh, I will. I will condition. That will be my 2019 New Year's resolution. I will start barefooting. All right, I got one last name that uh, I was hoping you could give us some insight, maybe a good story on uh, Banana George. He's probably recognized as the most famous i'm not going to say barefoot i'm just going to say yeah, water skier yeah. water ski athlete of all time people still talk about him he's been gone uh, do you have any good stories about george because oh pretty much everybody well i mean george is uh was someone i so george is someone that i looked up to that i became friends with i met him at my first barefoot nationals in 1979 and I literally, I, I literally don't remember doing this, but I, and I don't, I didn't do, I don't think I did this very often because I don't remember doing it really. But I was so impressed with George that I actually wrote him a letter. And um, he, he's, I, you know, 10, 20 years ago, I was talking with George. He's like, hey, I want to show you something. Do you remember this? And he pulls the letter out. You know, he just was a George. I'd sit with George. I'd have um, Indian pudding at his house. It was something one of the his ladies, you know, that helped around the house made. Um, I really looked up to George because I, he, to me, George kind of was like the epitome of making it. He did what he loved to do, but he still had money and ran a business and and was was a you know successful guy. And, you know, I don't know that I necessarily, you don't judge success by wealth, but George was generous. He gave to our sport. He was, hell, I, I, taught, I taught George to snowboard um, back, hell, I don't know how long ago. Well, and the photo was famous for sure. 
of him snowboarding. Yeah, I, I mean, I I remember getting a postcard from him of him snowboarding, barefooting, and that. I don't have it. This is like a, some of my high school buddies that photo, but I did a, but we I have a snow ski picture, and I'm like, hey, I'm bringing a friend of mine, Banana George, and George would come out. We'd have a bunch of my high school buddies, 25 year old guys, and George was 75, and we're like. We're exhausted. We skied hard, you know. We go to a couple clubs afterwards, and George is like judging the Hawaiian Tropic bikini contest. He's in the bar for he knew he he knew no strangers. George, how was he able to engage people? I mean, it's because he seemed he seemed when I met him. I mean, he was just so bubbly and such a great guy. But I met him in 1996 or something like that. George George turned it on when he had to. I mean, at home he was very quiet, very philosophical. But he literally, and I'm not kidding, I'd be skiing with him. I remember one time at Snowmass in Colorado, had a massive long traverse, and he's like, he's like, champ, just leave me. Seriously, just please, just leave me. And I would be, I had like a foot out of my snowboard. I'm pushing George, and I'm trying to like skate him along this chalk strong traverse or long, long traverse. He's like, no, I gotta stop. My legs are cramping. And he's like, cause your calves, you know, toe side for a big, long, flat run. I literally pop out of my board, put George while he's still strapped in his 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 uh, snowboard, just throw him over my shoulder like fireman's carry, board under my other arm, take off running with him like on this, you know, summer road. He's like, jump, oh, stop, your shoulder, it's hitting me. You know, he's like, he's just a great guy. What did know? George think of water skiing and wakeboarding? Because I know, I mean, he was a barefoot enthusiast. Well, he loved to hydrofoil. He loved to ski. He loved um, anything that showcased our sport. I guarantee you he loved wakeboarding. I mean, I, I do. I, he's a, he, he, he would have entertained the wakeboarders if they were around or whatever. He loved it. You know, he was a promoter of our sport. He wasn't a promoter of barefooting. He wasn't bare. Well, he was barefoot banana George, but he was banana George. I mean, anywhere you go, I've traveled around the world with him, been around. He's a, he's recognized, you know, hell, even in a helmet and his goggles, he was like a, literally a big banana snowboarding down the mountain, but hell you're on the lift and people are yelling, banana George, you know, you know, they, you know, they, he was a, he was a dynamic guy. Um, I've talked to his daughter, you know, a periodically his grandson, I, I was pretty good friends with. I haven't, um, talk to Robbie in a while but you know they they're they water skiing was a big part of their family you know and they know how much it meant to their dad you know and uh hell George was a I mean I don't I don't think anyone could say anything bad about the guy he was friggin awesome that's cool man I I honestly wish I would have gotten to to meet him a little bit more and uh you know definitely we think about him at feet on fire and last year you know we originally the contest was just a figure eight tournament and last year uh and I and we we got a smaller venue and I was like kind of worried that it wasn't going to be work. right uh-huh. and work and then Parks came up and he goes oh man George used to always do laps at his tournament yeah. so it's yeah. legit so so that's <laughs> that was kind of like where uh, I think uh, Parks and JD both kind of made it to where I was like alright you know what yeah the the circle of fire that'll work i think i think the i think it's fine i think it's probably a little bit more conducive to longer runs so your feet do get roasted um 
and I don't know really. I've been by that venue plenty of times, so um, I think it'll be. I don't think it'll be fun. I think it'll be interesting. And here's the novelty. It's so it's popular because you got great athletes. Okay, mostly wake, mostly going to be um, pro wakeboarders, and that's kind of how it started. And they're doing something that's fun, and it's outside of their realm of expertise so there's that human a little bit more of a human factor to it you know they're not just doing amazing things that nobody can identify with and you know there's really no pressure so they're having fun right you know and that's that's kind of like the part of it that makes those events special i would imagine it's like a pro-am type tournament where you get paid just to show up and not necessarily yeah, except for win. nobody's getting paid right nobody's getting nobody's <laughs> Sorry, getting paid. guys yeah nobody's <laughs> getting paid but it's a sport where we you know where we love it we're promoting it and we're having fun uh ron before i let you f- uh get out of here uh i know there's tons of people uh over the years who have kind of helped you along the way i usually give the athletes uh opportunity to um give some love to their family to their sponsors and then drop their social media if, if you even do social media people because i'm sure people still want to follow <laughs> you and so, yeah, so I'm, go ahead. Start with your sponsors, and then let's tell everybody. Well, how they can I'm not a I'm not a big social media guy. So, but um, I don't even do. I'm in construction now. Just if so, people know. I, I mean, I have, my company's called Barefoot Brothers Construction. We didn't even get to that part. We <laughs> but, have to do Ron Scarpa too on yeah, the podcast. But I don't literally even promote my own business that way. But I, you know, back in the day, I had waterworks, wetsuits, nautique boats which were fabulous. I had ProLine, which were handle companies. Um, I had tons of sponsors, Oakley and um, other vitamin companies, uh, Valio Belts, Perillo Bars, lots of stuff. But um, the reality is, is Malibu Boats. You know, I did something after 17 years. I, I basically branched off of Correct Craft, went to Malibu. It was having like having an extended family. They were great people, and and all Bob Alkima and uh, Paul Singer and the whole crew at Malibu. It was great to get to. I knew them anyway, but it was get, great to get to know them and their dealer network. And uh, you know, I'm just an I'm just a old. I like doing this. I got to tell you, I do enjoy it. I've I haven't. Um, I was thinking about this prior to today. I, I mean, I've stepped away from water skiing. I don't really do a ton of um, water ski related events anymore. I love it. I love water skiing. I just, I find my, like I literally, the day I said, okay, I'm switching gears and doing something else. It isn't that I like closed the book and threw it away. It's just, I've, you know, I still like to ski recreationally. I, and I do. Um, I will say I've barefooted twice this year. Um, and that's about it. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the no wetsuit thing because I've seen the postings of Feet on Fire. I'm like, why do these idiots wearing like board shorts and stuff? <laughs> and then I, 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 I guess I better read the rules before. Well, I there, show. there's no rule book, so yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But I'm like, why are they doing? In that? the original days, it was behind a wakeboard boat and. You'd wear funny yeah. shorts. So. Yeah. But you're stepping off, right? But you're stepping off. Well, yeah. in the original days, you start however you wanted to start. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right. now we're right. stepping off. But anyway, it's fun. It's fun. And I love the, I love skiing. I love the sport. I mean, I I know a few. 
I, I, I honestly, I don't really know. I know JD, and I know a few of the other wakeboarders. That well, you, you even helped. You, you were instrumental in with with Massey, right? Like Massey was that Massey well, Ferrari. Massey, Massey was trained by a long time, like one of my long time best friends in Italy, who. We trained together. He's a great coach. His name's Enzo Molinari. He trained um, quite a few of the like Italian wakeboarders sure. and stuff like that. And he's a great. He's a really a great coach. And he's on Lake Como. That's how I know Massey. So when Massey was little, I knew him. I mean, Sean. When Sean just started, like with Nautique. I mean, he was super young and. You know, I was around those guys. Well, Murray and, was a huge barefoot guy too, yeah, so I'm yeah. sure he was probably right. stoked to be on the team. I remember you. going down to Homestead and doing some Nautique event, and Sean was there, and we had a, you know, I just got to know him and had a blast. Held Aaron Shapiro. I used to do um, clinics at his cable, the cable park where he grew up at. So I, you know, I kind of knew a lot of people. Darren, another great barefooter. Yeah, great every great everything, True. right? And uh, you know, so and I guess Steve Merritt's kid was a wakeboard yep, girl, you know, and and you know, there's just a lot there's a lot of um there's a lot of cross cross. And that's so, you know, there's a lot of barefooters that are wakeboarders or wakeboarders that are barefooters. It doesn't matter. They're right. they're promoting the sport, they're having fun. Look, man, I I uh I would love to find a way for wakeboarders to do their, you know, learn these super difficult skills more safely. I, I mean, I watch them and I watch how big, massive air. It's not even like, like, and I know, I know, like you watch the Olympics and you see these guys in the pipe and they're doing super massive stuff, but they're they're mostly landing downhill. Yeah, you know. Well, I, mean, I think I think in wakeboarding, I think really what it comes down to, and I'm a, I'm more of a water skier personally, mm -hmm. but what I see a lot of times is that a lot of people are jumping from page one or two mm -hmm. and going directly to page like eight of the book yeah. because the, the, <laughs> the reality is this: is it's easier to start learning the flips than it is to, to learn the basics. Right. Real, realistically, going to take once you learn how to put a board on edge it's trick skiing in my opinion is the same thing i've taught a dozen kids how to flip on a trick ski but i couldn't their parents didn't pay me to teach them how to spin they right. wanted to learn the flip. flip yeah you know and yeah that's fun that's that's probably the same i remember uh, you know it's like it's like two trick skis who even owns two trick skis anymore you know right. I mean, nobody does that or two skis for that matter totally totally yeah, yep. yeah. i'm off ski buff i mean i do i like to i literally i'll ride like a lot of times we go out the water's not good we'll cruise around on a pair of old jump skis all right ron um anybody else you want to thank and then also just if anybody listening wants to get in touch with you or follow something that you're up i'm to on facebook anything. you're on I mean, facebook i'm on facebook I know that I know I know uh, I know nobody does Facebook. Unless I still do Facebook. <laughs> I like Facebook. I don't do. Uh, I have Snapchat and Instagram. I never do it. I think I'm going to delete it off my phone. My kids keep putting it on there. My daughter, obviously, she works at Performance. Right. You know, so she's like, Dad, you got to load this. You got to do that. You know. So you're like, just all this works. So you can have one extra follower. <laughs> Yeah, right. I have to post stuff for them sometimes. Post it so I get likes. Yeah. You well, know? I mean, you're, yeah. That's funny. I mean, fun. to get you to post something for somebody, that's pretty special, man. Well, I don't, you know, I don't even, they take my phone and do it. I don't even do it that often. Look, I love the social media aspect of it. And I had like a German dude today 
was looking for some footage from a tournament, and I don't have that. I didn't. I never really. Kept what do it. you have though? Because we're we're <laughs> recording in your office, and we're not at your house. I was hoping to go to your house, and I see some memorabilia up here on the walls. But like, what are what are some of your like? I don't. I, I almost. What all, did you keep? Uh, I kept a couple of all my X Games medals, and and I had a I had a couple of X Games posters that I like mounted up that were cool. Um, I did um, all my world's medals. And, uh, you know, my wife is, uh, I'm going to tell you this right now. I didn't, we didn't mention her at all, but, you know, everyone always thanks her wife. My wife was a competitor. She skied on the Italian team. She was a European champion and all that, and barefooting. And, um, but, you know, she literally got into, she was into the sport we got married we had kids and and you know quite honestly she is the one who you know she enabled me to to keep skiing and keep doing what i was doing you know she's like look you're better at this than i am this is your, really your profession i was never a pro i tried to be you know but i was never the pro you got the sponsors you but if you're going to do it you need to you know you need to do it and you know you need to go win, you know. And when I skied, I skied for my look. I I skied for my family. I I, I like a lot of these punks that, um, you know, they're like. I, I said you have you have even nothing. You have nothing on the line to uh, fight to win this thing. I said you're dealing with a force that you can't even understand right now at your at 17 or whatever it was you know it's true that's good advice yeah but that people you know you learn and and when you when you you have to as you're getting older you use these things to motivate yourself you know it's not just to you know go you know one foot further or get a better score you know the thing that's hard the hardest thing and i've watched quite a few i've i've uh so Lorenzo Soprani's been, uh, he's an Italian kid that was around and we, we, he, we, he was competing. So we went to the gravel tour or what, one of the performance th- tour stops to watch him. The hardest thing about wakeboarding, and it's a little bit in barefooting too, is the subjectiveness of judging and right. scoring. It's always a nightmare. And, uh, you know, that's, it's almost like, that's the hard part for me about wakeboarding. It's hard to actually... I know there's reasons why they judge stuff and why something's better. They do the same thing in barefooting. It's almost kind of stupid. The non-competitive aspect of wakeboarding is way cooler than the actual competitive. You know, that whole spirit. And that's what a Red Bull uh, TV captures. Right. You know? The just lifestyle. Yeah, the exactly. Li- it's, yeah, the lifestyle and just that the that just some really cool angles and just an amazing thing. I love That's the part I love it. And I think... I think barefooting was a very early predecessor to the same thing. It wasn't, you know, you go by at 45 miles an hour. I mean, what can you see? Well, you know, you talk <laughs> you talk about free skiing, and right. I don't know that it gets any more free than barefoot. Sure, you, you I know? agree. I totally agree. And and uh, I don't do this often anymore, but I remember when in one of my favorite things to do on 
barefoot and was to throw a pair of padded turbo shorts underneath my super thick padded suit and just take a high speed whip and slide look we're in a rainy week but when it kind of when it kind of eases up we'll get out barefoot what kind of boat are you do you what kind of boat do you have Uh, i don't have a boat okay so a buddy of mine has a barefoot boat on on uh the windermere chain which is right next to you we're gonna i'll call him up and we'll go out and take a rip let's do that i need some footage of you i need some current footage uh, I'll work on it. When's the most current footage? Just that 2002 video of you uh, setting the over, I don't know. I don't know. You set some record in 2002 or something. I have no clue. I really don't know. But I, but I, I still, like I said, I ski. I love it. Um, I don't know that it's uh, video worthy, but sure, we can go. Trust out. me, it's, we'll go. <laughs> it, trust me, it's video worthy. We'll go. We'll go get some video. It's 2018, Ron. Everything's video worthy uh, now. I guess uh, you're good point. Good point. All right, man. Uh, so I guess if anybody wants to get in touch with you, uh, just find Ron Scarpa on Facebook. And if somebody is uh, looking to build <laughs> a house or a market in yeah. Central Florida, yep. Call, Barefoot Brothers Construction. Yeah, yeah. Call Barefoot Brothers Construction. For sure. I'm in Orlando. Very good. Ron Scarpa, man. Thank you a ton, brother. Thank you a ton as well. See you next week. All right, guys. Hang tight. We'll be back with more right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Oh, yeah. Hey, Golden Mike Podcast listeners. Get your boat looking brand new this summer with some custom Sea Deck non-skid traction. On your boat, in your boat, on the dock, or anywhere normally prone to slippery surfaces, even paddle boards and wake surfers. Sea Deck has a growing network of certified fabricators and installers covering the USA, Canada, Europe, and the South Pacific. And now it's easier than ever to have a Sea Deck professional take your project from start to finish. Go to SeaDeck.com, hit the custom button, on the website and look for the interactive map to locate a CDEX certified fabricator or installer in your area to schedule an appointment today. Awesome sponsor of the Golden Mike podcast is Roswell Marine. Since 1998, Roswell Marine has been driven by passion for boating and water sports born out of the garage of Robert Oswell and now produced on the space coast of Florida. Roswell is always pushing boundaries within the industry to make beautiful and functional products that make boating and water sports a little bit more enjoyable. With multiple awards and innovation, industry first and the business motto of quality without compromise, Roswell Marine's proven performance has helped define the wake industry for nearly two decades. Whether you're depending upon a universal tower or Neptunes, a.k.a. the king of tower speakers, Roswell products are built to perform reliably from the day you unbox them. Go to roswellmarine.com to find out more info. Again, that's roswellmarine.com. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. The Raging Bull. What a legend and what an honor it was to have the chance to talk with Ron. We actually got a lot more content than what you heard. In fact, we recorded about an hour and a half. I saved some of the audio for a little Facebook exclusive I'm going to be putting out. I'm psyched 
for the J.D. Webb-Ron Scarpa head-to-head battle. I think that's going to be an add-on, a part of the main event at Feet on Fire 2019. So cool. Thank you, Ron, and thank you, listeners. Folks, message me on social media or email at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. You should already know the social media. Let me know your thoughts. I want to know what you thought about the Ron Scarpa episode. I want to know what you thought about every episode. Also, buy a new Golden Mike podcast hat or t-shirt. You can also reach out to me about possibly coming to your next event and commentating or recording a live episode of the podcast there. If you're a new listener, please remember, rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share this show with all of your Toad Water Sports enthusiastic type friends. All episodes are also available on SoundCloud and noiseofthenorth.com. And as always, they're free. Here's some of the upcoming dates that I've got. Today, May 23rd, it's Feet on Fire at the Orlando Waterfront. Hope you're here. This week, the Masters Water Skiing Wakeboard Tournament. The following weekend in Orlando, we kick off the month of June with the Malibu Rider Experience, the WWA Wakeboard Regional Championships at Freedom Wake Park. And then I'll be at the Roswell Marine 20-year anniversary party June 15th. And you all just need to stay tuned for more upcoming dates to be announced because I am one busy dude. Thanks again to Ron Scarpa. And now a few shout outs to the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, WSIA, Roswell Marine, Woodrose Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, Wakeboarding.com, Footin.com, GoPuck, Hyperlight, Conley, Leadwake, Ronix, O'Brien, and Slingshot, Jenna Carruth on the web, and Rich Walsh on the audio. That's going to do it for today's show, and I appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Daniel Lomano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.